yeah, what? Okay. I have I mean, no. I've got some stuff to say, and it's gonna just—it's gonna be stupid. No, no. Listen, people, I got some stuff to say. <laughs> the stuff that I have to say is the stupidest stuff. It's June 12th, 2013. This is Idle Thumbs 110. I'm Chris Rowe. I'm Jake Rodkin. <laughs> and I'm Nick Brecken. And we're so excited to be on this podcast this week. <laughs> oh, also, sorry. Before we even talk about that, we should mention that Sean Sh- is Sean's not here. Sean is down in L.A. this week. And none of the rest of us are. Yeah. So let's have our E3 2013 <laughs> episode of Idle Thumbs, the video game <laughs> podcast for video game enthusiasts. Yeah. Who don't attend major industry trade shows despite being a journalistic outlet. Feels really weird not to be there, actually. Yeah, it does. After having been there for maybe well, it doesn't three, four or five years in a row, five years. That's actually not the part that feels weird to me, but that makes sense because you have because I actually at this point have not gone for for about four years. Yeah, I think and my last E three was 06. Oh I wow, went two thousand through two thousand six. I did seven years straight, and then I didn't go anymore. Yeah, I went until two thousand. I want to say like nine, maybe two thousand eight. Might it, might have actually been my last one. I can't remember. Weird. Probably nine. Hmm. Yeah. But the farther I get from the from the last time I went to E3, the less I find myself compelled to notice anything about E3. I didn't watch it. You know, it's just interesting. I didn't watch any of the stuff this year. I didn't watch any of it, but I read a lot of stuff. Um, I'm I'm perhaps the worst person in the group in that the one thing that I did watch this week was the Apple Worldwide Developers Conference <laughs> keynote. So I watched the unveil of iOS like seven and all that of stuff. iOS seven and oh, whatever. Yeah. I have been an Apple person since I was a tiny child and worked there for a while, and I can't not watch that shit. But <laughs> you worked at Apple as a tiny child? No, I pl- like the first computer that I had was an Apple II, and then I used Macintoshes all the way up through now, basically, yeah, except yeah, yeah. at work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that has nothing to do with anything other no. than the, the gaming industry was set ablaze when <laughs> Ridiculous Fishing won an Apple Developer's Choice Award at WWDC. So that's what we're talking about this week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Wait, it's was been... that your thing that you wanted to bring? No, up? no, no. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm still like I I followed the Microsoft press conference a little bit, but that was the one that I saw the least of. I followed mm-hmm. the Sony stuff when the internet just went, "Whoa, they're doing all this crazy shit!" And then I also didn't really pay much attention to the Nintendo one. But the disaster for me personally is the Nintendo one because the other thing that I'm a child about, second to Apple, is secret. Usually latent, but occasionally not latent Nintendo fanboyism. So oh, yeah. Is- I feel like I've been party to the decline of your Nintendo fanboyism. Yes. But here's the disaster of what happened in the last couple of days is um, stupid stuff that I complain about all the time. Being Nintendo doing the same exact thing over and over and over again mm-hmm. was now – they now revealed the two stupid repeated things for the two things that I actually care about, oh, no. which is what Super is Smash, Smash Brothers, Brothers is one of them clearly. And uh, 
Super Mario 3D World. Mm. And which I did uh, not give a fuck about on the 3DS. Yeah. But seeing that stupid video of it running in HD where it's that sort of Super Mario, Super Mario 3D Land this. seems like it's it's kind of – it's like taking the Mario platforming stuff and then doing a sort of 2.5D – I mean it's real 3D but it, it looks kind of like it's a vaguely isometric presentation but it's still mm-hmm. a platformer mm-hmm. and it's cooperative. Um, so it looks it looks like it kind of has the shaders and color palette and stuff of Super Mario Galaxy, but with a straight straight platforming mechanic, but with a camera more akin to the sort of like handheld mm-hmm. Zelda games, mm-hmm. and it's four player wow. co op like New Super Mario Brothers. Um, I actually posted a stupid tweet about this this morning, which no one understood. But I watched the trailer because everyone said, "Oh, Super Mario Two, oh Mario RPG." But the trailer, for the first time that I've actually seen, has Princess Peach in it in a cooperative experience with Mario. Which is hmm. dumb, but it's like it was actually it like dumb. I just dumb no, that it's, it's the first just a dumb time, thing like... to like bring up as a cool thing. But seeing Mario and Princess Peach <laughs> side by side in a video game on the same screen, using the same <clears throat> player verbs to cooperate together to accomplish the same goals, had weird meaning for me, which is fucking stupid. <laughs> but like, yeah, you you play yeah. as what as Princess Toadstool in Mario Two, and she shows up in uh, Mario RPG, but usually she's just relegated off to being nothing or she's like she plays tennis in mario tennis or whatever but seeing seeing princess toadstool fire a fireball and jump into a pipe that was like in hilarious like yeah that is actually mario, kind of crazy to think about it's like that the story that paints weirdly for me is of them as like mario and princess toadstool professional like Power boss couple, couple. Yeah, yeah, that was fucking cool like me as a small child to me now is like that's actually yeah. what why has nintendo not had that be what the game is for 20 years yeah um that and then the Super Smash Brothers shit came out. I'm sorry that I'm opening out a thumbs with Nintendo enthusiasm. Go, go for it. It's 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 this hate love combo that is actively going on in my brain. I like the Super Smash Brothers games because they are weird deep dives into Nintendo madness. And one mm-hmm. of the things that was announced in the last couple of days is the new. Super Smash Brothers features the Wii Fit Fitness Trainer Avatar as a character. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. That's super good. But that's the yeah. shit that I love. Like when yeah, Mr. Yeah, Game yeah. & Watch showed right. up in yeah, the yeah, Game Boy Super saying, Smash yeah. Brothers. And uh, there's like a random character from Animal Crossing in it as well. But Wii Fit Fitness Trainer <laughs> is like, what? Anyway, it's going to be Ganondorf versus the Wii Fit Fitness Trainer versus <laughs> Mr. Game & Watch. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's super that's good. That's a video game that I can always get behind. But yeah. also... Smash Brothers is the only game that I've played, and I said to myself, "Wait, what do you mean, Smash Brothers?" Is the it's only the only game fighting. It's only like competitive. It's the only like competitive two <laughs> D fighting oh, game oh, that sure. I ever really played. And I said yeah. to myself, "Fuck that!" If even if even if a really nice looking Super Smash Brothers comes out, there's no way I'm ever going to consider buying a Wii U just to play these two goddamn games. <laughs> and yet, I'm still probably not going to buy a Wii U just to play these yeah, games. Yeah. But so they did all seed, that they could. The they God, like like. The stupid like right Nintendo like hype sniper found the like the precise point and got a hook one into me and it's gonna snap off before I get dragged all the way there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. fucking Christ, it's a disaster to be like, why am I following the Smash Brothers dojo blog again? <laughs> why am I watching this trailer of Mario jumping on guys? I haven't looked at this stuff right. in years. Like yeah, I haven't yeah, looked yeah. at that stuff since yeah. you know Mario Galaxy about really. You know what's funny? You know, with me and Nintendo, it's like I remember when I met you, like I don't know, a decade ago, or maybe a little more than that. And uh, I like 
I remember getting into Nintendo stuff in part because you talked about it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't grow up with Nintendo stuff really other than like – Well, that was like – that was like Nintendo Prime time. It was GameCube. No, I know. Because that was like uh, Ocarina of Time was out, Mario Sunshine was out and Smash Brothers Melee was out, which was like uh-huh. a pretty solid – yeah, and but I and Metroid Prime. So I w- that was like a really like interesting time for me with Nintendo because I I was familiar with all that stuff obviously because it would be hard not to be mm-hmm. you know as someone roughly our age, but it didn't have like deep nostalgic right. kind of um, weight to me. Right. And so I kind of got into all that stuff in a really um, honest way. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember getting a GameCube and getting Wind Waker and you know Smash Brothers and Pikmin, and I got really super into Pikmin. Um, and we got really into Pikmin 2 when it came out. Yep. And, uh, and I remember, um, I was, it was like really cool. I was really, well, that's what got you to like roll back and play Super Metroid and stuff as well, right? Yeah. And like the original Zelda and and all that stuff. And, um, and what's funny is that ever since that like high point on the GameCube, which was my like introduction to Nintendo, which I realize is an unusual introduction to Nintendo, but nonetheless, it was like really, all that stuff was really um, exciting to me at the time, and I was really impressed by it. And what's funny is that in the like decade that has elapsed since the beginning of that phase for me, um, I've just sort of progressively gotten less and less interested in Nintendo because it it really does feel like they just keep coming out with the same stuff all the time. Not that there aren't interesting innovations. Like I thought Mario Galaxy was amazing, and I I played all the way through that game, and I loved it. I thought it was great, but it just like every every generation or like every cycle of these even the cool stuff in it is just a little bit less exciting to me and without the nostalgic stuff to like keep propping it up like right. I, it just well it's funny it's the nostalgic harder. stuff really doesn't help much no well now <laughs> the, the problem i think is that they yeah they play off the nostalgia to an increasing degree yeah. but my favorite two sort of nintendo hardware generations are the super nintendo and the gamecube by a ton like i like a lot of original 8 bit nintendo games same and I like a lot of Nintendo 64 games. And I think that's that's a flip <clears throat> in, like, Nintendo fans uh, who are not kids. It's like, are you the person who likes the 8-bit Nintendo and N64? Or are you the person mm. who likes Super Nintendo and GameCube? And Maybe, yeah. I don't know if that's entirely true, but it, it I know, like, I really liked... It just feels like the 16-bit... Are you saying people who are kids prefer... No, no, no. I'm saying people who are, like... I think that there is just there's a certain type of person who's going to argue to the grave that Super Mario Brothers one two three and like the original Zelda the original Metroid are what's good because they're the first ones. But right. I think mm-hmm. I think that Nintendo defined a bunch of stuff in the eight bit space and then did a really nice polished confident pass over all of those IPs again in the yeah, Super sure. Nintendo and like I Mario World I mixed on but I love Yoshi's Island I love Super Metroid. Um, I love Link to the Past. That's like one of my favorite Zelda games. And then the N64 came out and I fucking hated it because I thought that it was just janky. Like it had a lot of original ideas, but the execution were not, was not very good. And then with the GameCube, they took a lot of like Wind Waker is clearly an evolution of Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Mario uh, Sunshine is clearly yeah, an evolution of Mario 64. And it feels very much like the <clears throat> Super Nintendo to <clears throat> the N64's original 8-bit NES. Right, yeah. right. Um, but anyway, it's just... You hit, I think, per, for what is for me personally a point that was kind of like the apex of 3D Nintendo gaming. I think is the right. GameCube, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, good job. Yeah, yeah. I was. It's funny. I was. We were because um, they haven't. You know, they haven't had a major flip in the style of stuff they make, except for all the weird casual Wii stuff, right? Which is not related to sort of yeah. Mario Brothers to or Super Mario Brothers to Super Mario World yeah, to Met- Mario sixty four to and, and like yeah, else, yeah those. Yeah. 
Anyway. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of a bummer because I uh, I because I actually love Smash Brothers. I mean, I've you know played a bunch of fighting games, but for whatever reason, Smash Brothers is the one that I always enjoyed the most. Well, I say for whatever reason, but I know why. It's because uh, it's because of the control scheme specifically. Um, I really really like that the inputs are the same for every character. Like that sounds like a small thing, but one of the things that's most frustrating to me about fighting games... It's not about mastering moves. It's about mastering your usage of the moves. Yeah, Yeah. which I know is also true in fighting games, but it makes me wonder why it's not only true in other fighting games. Um, You know what I mean? Because other fighting games have just as much nuance on the usage side. Um, So it's always baffled me that they pair that with like long strings of complex... Uh, it ends up being in a pretty different reason. space, I think. I mean, just the types of moves. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if any of us know enough about competitive yeah. fighting games to talk about. In it. fact, I'm just gonna right now just strike everything I just said because that's my feeling as well as someone who I doesn't play that a lot of fighting games. Yeah, no, I'm just gonna say like I just yeah. right now for my own sanity, I'm gonna say please do not take anything I said as a strongly held opinion because I actually don't know anything right, about just, fighting just games. Just so please don't what, send me lots of emails. Watching what professional like professional competitive fighter game players like the traditional whatever of the street fighter tekken school which i know if you get into those they're also very different but they still involve lots of directional and multiple button combinations versus smash brothers where it's like mm-hmm. you have your a b yeah and then you can power them up with directions what people are doing with their hands is just so completely different that it's mm-hmm. there's got to be something different there but for me it's just i don't know well also those don't have jumping and platforming and like simple mantling and stuff right. which smash brothers has sure yeah yeah, yeah. I think I think the uh, I think Smash Brothers always kind of connect. This is a weird connection to make, but I think Smash Brothers always connected with me f- from a certain like PC gamer um, kind of fundamental system. Where like the only competitive games I've ever played, like anything remotely close to competitively, and, and not in, the, in that case, not even recently, would be like StarCraft and games like that. And those are games that are entirely constructed out of single and in- like out of just interchangeable inputs, essentially. Like the you know, I mean. Well, that's even the case with competitive first-person stuff. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like, different classes in Team Fortress map more closely to different right. characters in Smash right. Brothers than they do to different right. fighters. And, like, a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of console games are just a lot more about the controller, or, like, especially earlier console games uh, are a lot more about the controller and about uh, um, patterns and things like that. And I think I never internalized that way of thinking about uh, controlling a game, at least not at the, like, deep level that I think people who love fighting games So you were always a baby. That's true. I was. Mm. I've always been a baby, and I continue to be one to this All very day. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Brecken nods, nods sagely. Oh, he's a baby. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, I had a weird Nintendo moment today when I watched That's a funny. bunch of a bunch of. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. I didn't think it would get to me, and then I felt weird. <clears throat> you felt the. I think the very first the game spine. that I talked about on Idle Thumbs was the Wario platformer for the DS. Or for the GameCube, one of those. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember. And I opened up being just like, I'm a big Nintendo dork. <laughs> anyway, that's probably one of the last Nintendo games I've played. Idle about. thumbs. We've got the we've got each of us has a niche. Yeah. Niche. Jake is the Nintendo dork. I think we talked about representing Mario. the Nintendo we perspective. About Mario week. Galaxy, maybe, and that's about yeah. it for Nintendo. Like we don't talk about Nintendo stuff very much, but we used to. That's true. In the early days of our friendship. Yeah. I just haven't played much of it recently. Yeah. Yeah. I might accidentally get a Wii U at some point just to play Smash Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> accidentally. Wow, that was an amazing arc. I won't do it. It won't happen. <laughs> it was... but, but it might. But I might. Don't <laughs> look at my house. Um, 
Oh God. Yeah. So what else, guys? The big Nintendo Sony thing. I, I got to talk about big, it for a second. Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo Sony thing. Microsoft Sony thing. Nintendo. Everything is Nintendo. Everything to is me. Nintendo. <laughs> Nintendo just, wins just, E3 Nintendo because they announced the Smash Brothers sequel for their new console that is yeah. a year old. Weird. It's one year into a platform cycle for Nintendo, they announced a Smash Brothers game. Well, that's interesting. That's an yeah. interesting strategy. Huh. Mm. Um, God, this is the fourth Smash Brothers. Well, they also announced the 3DS Smash Brothers, which I do not care about because mm. that's an abomination. <laughs> <laughs> it actually looks really good. Um, no, the Microsoft... Microsoft and Sony at this point have just become the presidential race. I was thinking about that the same way. And Ouya is the Green Party. <laughs> because, okay, like, it is the, the whole... It's totally that now. The, like, oh, yeah. We have wedge oh, yeah, issues yeah, yeah. now. Oh, and it goes back and forth, too. It's crazy. It's so stupid. What do we have? Like, oh, we're back to PlayStation years. Oh, boy. Like... I can't wait. Yeah, it, it's this. It's Everything's going to be different now, guys. This responsive thing, and they're like, "Oh man, that you just nailed it with that right yeah. there." <laughs> That's right, exactly. Oh no, games are cool again because this just, company's doing it better than the other one. There's this all time. there's all the stuff with uh, Microsoft's really aggressive sounding Nick's, DRM. Nick is, Nick is flipping out right now. This is weird. <laughs> well, Sorry, go ahead, Jake. Just all all the really aggressive Xbox One DRM stuff. The Xbox yeah, One yeah, is a yeah. surveillance state. Oh, I know, yeah. But then then Sony's saying, well, of course our games are just games on disc. You can loan them to your friends. You can rent them. Whatever. Yeah. That doesn't... What... Do, do you guys know? You probably don't know, but I didn't bother to dig deep enough into what their downloadable game policy is, but I imagine I mean, it's, it's the same as the PS3, which is it's tied to your account. I haven't heard specifics, but what I heard yeah. is that basically, yes, it's the same. It's everything... everything like, well, that's what's so crazy about it is that they get to... Sound really they progressive get to sound revolutionary, but by just saying, for staying by the just saying, we're just doing the same thing with oh, yeah, consoles. The always do. But that's just thousand points of yeah. lights because Microsoft <laughs> walked out and just said, anyway, anything that you expect for how your hardware works, right. it doesn't. Right, and there's right. some yeah, really yeah. good stuff about that and some really bad stuff about it. Yeah. But yeah. if what you really value is buying a disc and then handing it to your friend, you're fucked. But also, I feel like Sony's playing the smarter game here because I feel like by the end of the PS4 lifecycle. Not a lot of people are going to buy a disc mm-hmm. yeah. because PS4 and Xbox already yeah. have an increasing like mm-hmm. the, the prevalence sure. of day yeah, one buy digital, yeah. download yeah, yeah, yeah. it from the store. Yeah, that's what's Why so we, funny about it. The only reason you go to GameStop at this point is presumably so you can sell the disc back, right? Yeah, and I, I think but they the also is, get big crowds with like um, just the because yeah, well, it's not just trading the disc; it's also because. Having traded discs, you have a discount on your new game, right? And you're, you know, they've yeah, got yeah. The exclusive right. items and all those like weird perks and. It's like things. how you take your CDs that you buy now and you you sell them to Tower Records, <laughs> but it right? seems Remember? like at the same. We all do that, right? At the same time, Microsoft announced you can sell a new game, or you can give a new game to a friend if you. There's certain you can share. You yeah, can you, you can, can transfer your license after certain restrictions are met, and I don't right. remember what they are. It's it's tied to your account. But how, is that, your how is that not going to turn into a schoolyard version of a kid handing a kid a twenty dollar bill and him giving him a game? Like how is it not going to turn into that? What yeah, it'll turn into that. I'll give you my copy of Battlefield because I'm done with it. Hand me thirty dollars in cash, and I'll give you and I'll do a license transfer. Oh yeah 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 yeah. At the end of the day, it I. It feels like these are the really huge talking points right now, and then once both the consoles are out. And both of them go through two or three operating system revisions. Well, this is this is why it's so funny. We're right? just going to be in a place because where it's it the same. is a, it is a political race in the sense that people love the theater of it. Like I don't think people are actually that excited about the differences in these consoles. I think they just love that like Sony just came out and said the thing you say in a debate 
to win the right. ar- the, the, the argument, yeah, the quote-unquote argument. The, the two E3 and then everyone just went, oh, shit, they said the thing! Yeah. That was the thing that you they needed to it was, say! It was crazy to, to, to like, watch. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Microsoft keynote followed by Sony keynote yeah. as political debate. Right, right. yeah, yeah, And yeah. just watching that on Twitter, and it felt yeah. exactly They even the had the packaged ad to just just drop. Did you see the, the ad? Yeah, the political Sony ad. Where the guy just, it is a political ad. It's a political ad. Wait, what? Sony went negative. It should have just said Sony for America at the end. Like It was Sony saying... Here's how you loan. Here's how yeah. you. Uh, it's a twenty second, twenty five second. What was it? It was like here's how you trade in a game. Here's, here's how. Yeah. You, step one: how you trade a game on PlayStation. Oh, I, oh, I, oh, one, I saw this. How you give a game to a friend. Yeah, and then it was a friend handing a disc to someone else. It was just boom. Yeah, and then just like yeah, I am a PlayStation four, and I approve of this message. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, but yeah, it was it was weird. Like it was it was basically. It, oh, it's $100 cheaper. I guess I said Sony went negative. Sony didn't quite go negative, but they went. They walked as close to the line as you can get without without actually just it was interpreted like, as negative. Microsoft says you could do this. Yeah, like they didn't <laughs> have that first half of the ad, but otherwise they just Microsoft. Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's yeah. bonkers, but it also like the stuff that they're arguing about and Suck the, the stuff that is the talking points right now feel very similar to political debate stuff in that uh-huh. it is. It sounds hard as shit right now where you're like, this is exactly how it's going to be. Yeah. Once you're in office, it, right. that stuff's not When November your, comes. Like, it's not in your fucking control. <laughs> there's all these other crazy, yeah. like, there's branches of government. There's yeah. stuff that's enforced at the local and state level. Like, whatever you fucking say, that's what you believe. Right. But in the case of consoles now, it's what are your customers going to actually do with your products? Right. How are you going to rev this stuff over also, the course of software revisions? Like, yeah. Xbox didn't support... You can download a game from the store. It was like Xbox 360 retail games are retail. Arcade games are 40 megs and they have a leaderboard. Yeah. Hard line. That is what we believe. Anyway, download your retail games from your store. Download your 300 megabyte yeah. or your 6 gigabyte Xbox yeah. Live arcade also, game. Like, that's, <clears throat> none of it matters. Yeah. It's weird. Jeff Gerson made a really good point last night. I was watching the sort of ad hoc stream that they he threw together at the end of the night. And he was just like... Yeah, somebody sent in like a reader mail, like, uh, like this isn't isn't it crazy that you know they they completely destroyed Microsoft with all this stuff? And he was like, well, yeah, like that's a hundred dollars cheaper, but also maybe by November there's going to be these crazy like because the rumor is what that you'll be able to subsidize oh ad supported the, cost. the same way that there's yeah. ad supported Kindles, right? Yeah. Or like through your ISP, you're going to buy an Xbox One and it's yep. going to be two hundred dollars or something. Like the, the rules of all of this shit, the hundred dollar change, the hundred dollar retail price like, difference was the only thing that, at least right now, feels tangible for sort of yeah. launch. These are both right. like this holiday season. If there oh, isn't yeah. a weird subsidy model or something, that's the thing that I think. I've heard there is from a few different places. There's, there's, there's going to be, but yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, I don't know. Given all the other stuff in the software layer of the Xbox One, it seems like it would be bonkers to not have. You mean the Xbox Three Sixty? No, the Xbox 360 is... No, given just everything that we know about the One. Oh, God, it's called the Xbox One. I keep yes. forgetting. Man, that is such a strange uh, name. I seriously thought anyway, you were Sony like... Anyway, Sony announces the inadver- PSX. Yeah. Remember, that? Remember, when, remember when the PlayStation 1 was called the PSX by Dorks uh-huh. for, the long, for the longest time, but then Sony put out that crazy right. like beast that was yeah, actually yeah, yeah. called the that PSX? That weird like, AV... But wasn't that like, an AV-focused derivation of the PS2? Yeah. It was not the PlayStation 1. It was yeah, a weird it was like, a, media it was like Yeah, it was like a collaboration with... Toshiba or something yeah. like it was some weird thing. anyway Microsoft announces the Xbox one this the twice removed or once removed successor to the Xbox one yeah. um, <laughs> but no all the media layer stuff in the Xbox one just seems like they're going to say just call it the X bone there will be no confusion then the, the bone Re- <laughs> like replace your boot video with streaming video you know or whatever the fuck it is like yeah 
ad supported madness seems like it could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, I think that, I think that, uh, David Eggers, not the author, the, um, 2k community and support guy. who was a guy, a long time model thumbs contributor pointed out on Twitter was with no backwards compatibility. There is no focus on retention, which is weird. Oh yeah. Focus on what? On customer retention. It seems like, it seems like that is like, it's a negative it's a, well, if you want to be able to play your old libraries, but at the same time, the Xbox One not out of the box playing Xbox 360 games is right now, like, I feel like Sony played that in a surprising weird way because you say this is $100 less than what you're going to pay for an Xbox. Amazon pre-orders are open. Also, your back catalog is fucked anyway. You should probably, like, I, it, it's a weird, it's weird to think about. Mm-hmm not worrying about customer retention in exchange for hoping to grab customer switchers. And I think right, that right, that's right. like, I don't know, it's weird. You're, just, you're banking on loyalty, not your, you know, right. your intangible loyalty rather than um, right. what, specific rather than the investment. value of your like, library. Yeah, like right. You're, mm-hmm. you're, it's, it's, yeah. but are they both not backwards compatible or what's the deal with they're that? They're at least not hardware backwards compatible. They're uh-huh. both very separate platforms. I mean, I'm, I imagine that there's going to be at some point some sort of soft emulation solution. Yeah. I bet, or they'll just I bet. let you download your PS3 games. And, right, but yeah. I mean that your PS3 games would have to then be wrapped right. in a hardware emulator or yeah, recompiled yeah. Right, or exactly. something else. But they'll charge you for it, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I bet both companies determined that that was not as widely used as everyone on the internet claims it is. Yeah. Well, yes. When it would be more likely to be widely used is if your entire library just transferred over always. like Sure, of course. The way yeah. that it works on Steam where you buy a new yeah. computer and then like the first thing that I did for like five X years basically the back half of the 2000s was run through Half-Life 2, Lost Coast, and Half-Life 2, like the first... Yeah. Right, when you get a new computer Coast. set up. Every new computer, like, yeah. like, how much more can I crank up some yeah, of my yeah, favorite yeah. games? Yeah, and yeah. that's obviously never going to be a thing on consoles, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird. Consoles. Man, know? my Steam... I've been using now the same, same Steam, uh, uh, like installation that i've just been either transferring yeah, from yeah. hard like from computer to computer in the same hard drive or just copying entirely when i needed to get a bigger hard drive but it's been the same like chunk of files yeah, that's I, just been I slowly haven't done a, i haven't done a mass steam redownload for like four five six years yeah at this point. My, mine's been at least that long as well yeah it's crazy it's really cool though yep. so imagine if you could just slam your 360 hard drive into your <laughs> xbox one <laughs> it's not really I, it's that not, imaginable no, it's likely not a thing. no <laughs> Imagine if you could put your Xbox 360 faceplate on your Xbox One. <laughs> your Assassin's Creed One faceplate. Yeah. Man, I saw a mock-up of a uh, a wood panel version of the Xbox One. Oh, man. And really then it had the little, the little green segmented LEDs on the front of it, too, I believe. Yeah, and yeah. it just looked mm. like... It looked like the actual thing that it looks like. I want that is, so bad. Yeah. I actually like the industrial design of both... Of the, I do too. I'm actually I'm not cra- crazy about the rhomboid nature of the PS4. No, that part's weird, but I like that everything looks very geometric and like yeah. a piece of home stereo. I, I agree with that. Yeah. They both just look like when the. I'm glad they don't look swoopy or angular and weird. When the new Daft Punk album was coming out, they had that little preview trailer that was just like one of the Daft Punk esque guys mm-hmm. dressed in a crazy like Michael Jackson costume with weird leather future gloves and stuff. Okay, but then it was just nothing but cameras panning past faux futuristic hi-fi equipment with you know crazy huge blinking lights and sheened surfaces and then at the at the center of all of it was a really really nice turntable and they put the lp on but basically had the camera passed by an <laughs> xbox one and a ps4 in it would have like been a, unnoticeable you would not yeah. have noticed it yeah. amongst their like right revivalist weird like uh-huh. reinterpreted 80s hi-fi yeah. equipment yeah, yeah. Uh, that's good it's fine but 
man, not paying attention to this stuff and only just kind of watching it now, it does yeah. feel it. It well, feels weird. I had a weird experience that day because I like it's been a really busy week at work and like I just I muted every like I, at Steve's suggestion I downloaded a client called Destroy Twitter for my for my computer for for um that day and I just I like comprehensively muted everything that was related to E3 so my Twitter was like really sedate and just had like really weird exclamations every once in a while it was a really strange experience and so like the the stuff that was so overwhelmingly noise making that it like that it just busted through my 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 which is probably the wall. sony stuff I'm yeah sure which was, was the, the stuff sony stuff that, was yeah. like the stuff that i became right directly aware of before just vague, i like two sentences Whoa! Or two words, yeah there was that's cool okay okay that's awesome yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly God, I, i'm sorry anybody who tweets like that ugh, stop it and i'll be deleting my twitter feed now <laughs> <laughs> just mm. I don't, I don't tweet that stuff. You son of a bitch. I don't fucking tweet that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we have no connection to E3 other than that stuff, I guess. Yeah. Other than that weirdly extended analysis we just did. Of, yeah. I, I've been following it, but out of out of intrigue at at the events. I mean, also, yeah. I can probably safely say that were I to pick up a console at this point, it would be a PlayStation 4. But that's just like out of all of these things. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Were I to vote Why for not? a president, I would have voted for Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah, that's at that's some point I'll be spied it. on yeah. by the NSA, apparently, yeah. and uh, yeah. all sorts of other horrible things will happen. But mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that- drone crashes through the wall. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Fool me once. Yeah. I guess I'd rather play some whatever pub fund funded indie games over having a connect camera in my house, even though ninety percent of the content is going to be identical. Yeah. So yeah. weird. Let us all remember that Sony is the one who filed the fucking patent about say McDonald's to end commercials, not Microsoft. <laughs> oh, I know. That's what. So that's that was the thing that really made me made the political thing seem like an apt comparison. Or they're like, that, like Microsoft spying on you with the Connect. They know everything you do. Anyway, meanwhile, Sony in their back pocket has yeah. literally say McDonald's to end commercial. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like that is filed with the government. Yeah. Like it's just it's kind of hard Throw for me to get excited screen, about like any Sony. of this stuff because yeah. I'm like, all right, so Sony's maintaining the status quo. Like I'm kind of already not super crazy about like I'm not that excited to get another console anyway. So like I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Games. <laughs> <sighs> oh, I just want to issue a public service announcement. If you're making uh, mobile games, I downloaded this game Stickets. Uh, from, from my iPhone. What is this, Boy, what is this episode? I don't just continue. I just want it. No, 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 like this is in so anyway, that's like. the major console announcement from all of the biggest world hardware uh, manufacturers. Anyway, I'm not. I'm not I've really downloaded this anymore. iOS game. I downloaded stickets. Yeah. yeah, I don't really care about consoles. Yeah. Let me issue a public service Fuck announcement AAA. about it's all about stickets. <laughs> like what? Stickets right. for president. It's yeah. not like the most amazing thing. I'm I'm bringing it up because I want to say if you make a mobile game. You need you need to include <laughs> controls to disable sound and music within the game itself and not just expect me to mute my entire phone because sometimes I listen to podcasts and stuff on my phone and when your game is constantly <laughs> blaring like shit into my ears that I can't turn off. This is why certification requirements <laughs> make games better for the consumer. This is just – yeah. But see, yeah. this is the thing. On the PC, everyone always has options for all that stuff. So it's not – 
See, what this feels like right now is like a political town hall. Like, you're, you're just standing up. And the, the candidate, <laughs> um, I bought this game's uh, tickets for my I, telephone. It's true. My, right. There was this on cow PC, on my lawn, and I didn't like it. <laughs> on PC, everyone has options for that stuff. But on, in just iOS, OS-level APIs, there is one registered, system-controlled, system-registered audio-playing application. And it's either your web browser, your music application, your phone conversation thing, or a streaming audio player like a podcast-playing app. And app developers have the ability to respect if that's playing when I launch, mute X, Y, and Z aspects, like mute everything but UI sounds, like turn, don't play music, don't play sound. And developers who don't hook into that stuff basically just suck, in my opinion. Yeah, that's but, what I'm saying. But if you, if you, if there were certificate, like <laughs> the OS, iOS matches more closely to a game console for me. And yeah. on game consoles, like on the Xbox, if you're playing music, you fail cert if your system doesn't respect those right. API calls. Right, right. That's all. It's annoying. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely, I would I'm definitely gl- not. I'm like, glad there's not fucking cert yeah, yeah. on I mean, iOS. I would not call for that. But, but also, I think it's just a thing that. I mean, I've played lots and so lots I, of games that have that option. I hope like you rated the game achievable. one star in the App Store and said, no. "Fix this music, and then I'll give you your four stars back." So the reason I'm the reason I'm okay <laughs> with bringing it up, like on that, I wouldn't if it was a game it's, I actually didn't you're like. Okay I wouldn't it because have, you've registered thirty iTunes store <laughs> accounts, all of which have said that. No, I'm okay bringing it up because. Because uh, it's actually a game I'm positive about. If it was a game I didn't like and that happened, I just wouldn't even bother. So is this your segment of talking about how Stickets is cool? It's I don't have that much to say about it. Chris, but it's tell a, me it's on Stickets. It's just a cool. It's a it's a nicely put together puzzle game um, that I have enjoyed. Uh, I just wish that it <laughs> I could turn the music off. I mean, it just makes me not play it. <laughs> During instances where I would otherwise God, play it, I know it just, it just sounds like phone dead. But I really like that it's three dollars <laughs> and that's the game. And there's no like th- there appears to be absolutely no free to play stuff or like ads or anything. It's just an actual game you buy, which is just nice when that actually happens these days on a phone. Video games. What's your name? <laughs> Listen, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Listen, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Listen, you fucking asshole. Video games. I'm going to get back into Ignorant Zone because we're just surfing in and out of it with Wild Abandon. Yeah. But uh, PSN on PS4 is now pay only the same way that Xbox is. Right. PlayStation Uh, Plus for multiplayer. Yes. And a thing that I saw pointed out about this, and it's it's potentially a generalization because I don't know enough about how these marketplaces work, is someone said, oh, it's... Yet another generation where multiplayer only game or multiplayer gaming is an add-on instead of a key feature. And that's probably true to a certain degree. You're either paying for a subscription to an MMO on top of your multiplayer subscription or Mm. your game basically for the majority of games that you make, I imagine that your single player campaign has to come first and multiplayer has to come second because multiplayer is a paid only subset of your audience. You mean on a console? On a console. Mm. Like, I don't know. Mm. It's a good question. So, like, are that said, are we going to start seeing free-to-play stuff on these consoles that have multiplayer components that are subsidized mm. through the free-to-play audience? Like, could you launch a MOBA on these consoles? You mean to circumvent the PlayStation Plus requirement? Or well, right. I mean, to- are, are Microsoft and Sony going to look at something like we want to do League of Legends or, or free Dota? Free for Silver members or whatever. Or right, the, where yeah. it's, it's just free for PSN members, free for Silver members, and you don't need yeah. Plus and you don't need Gold. But mm-hmm. it's because these games would generate so much money on their own that they wouldn't need to sure. subsidize that yeah, stuff. Yeah, but I like, see that. Yeah. I don't know what other way there is for a developer to make a competitive multiplayer game unless 
Like, I mean, there's. I mean, Microsoft probably has found that there's like a certain um, critical mass of Xbox Live subscribers past which developers can feel comfortable. But no one does it. You mean something that really is truly multiplayer, focused, right? Like, like to the there exclusion. are there are huge yeah. multiplayer games on consoles. There's, but even Call of Duty has Call like of the Duty, most expensive Call of single Duties player and Halos and stuff. Ever. But right, people, yeah. those games, yeah. The multiplayer exists as the we know everyone's going to play this, but no one's right. ever going to make. You couldn't have released TF2 as not part of a thing that had single player right. pack-ins on console. There's, yeah, there's not going to be a Battlefield 1943 or what? What was the Wolfenstein Enemy Territory? Is I guess the the like that's never going to. Well, there was exist. that battle. I mean, Battlefield 1943 was a console. That was a console game, right? And that was yeah. multiplayer only. I yes. think that's true. Yeah. Yes. I wonder how well. that did. That was an arcade game. Well. It would probably be tough to do that as a sixty dollars thing, but yeah. That'll probably become less. That'll that distinction will matter less. That's true. Battlefield Nineteen Forty Three is is the like I'm sure people are going to write in with a million examples of this, but it's just mm-hmm. it's multiplayer only and competitive multiplayer is a thing in the PC space, and I think that's partly because there's no barrier to entry other than the cost of the game, or if it's a free to play game, yeah. the cost of just doing business within its store. There's yeah. no implication that you have to be a subscriber to any particular service. Right. And that barrier to entry is still a very strongly perceived thing, I think, if you need Xbox Live Gold and PSN yeah. Plus yeah, that'll be to play I mean, Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, and also I think there are going to be a lot of MMOs that are going to come out for these systems. Weird. Why? I don't know. I mean, like, look at Destiny. Look at The Elder Scrolls Online. Look at all the stuff that has already been announced. That's way more than was ever planned. For I guess maybe like the, like, the, you you're know. guaranteed, like, these consoles are being sold as always connected. People are maybe mm-hmm. feeling like maybe there's I think a now comfort level enough yeah, yeah, with I console think, players. I think we also do, both. So we can ruin these people's lives now with MMOs yeah. for both, five years. I mean, Microsoft's already, I mean, Microsoft's had that requirement for years, and they've clearly been really putting a lot of effort into well, trying to make Xbox Live a thing that is a huge value add not just in games, right, yeah. but in a bunch of things. And I assume right. Sony's going to double down on that but as well. The, the software layers on both the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 are very much built around, like, what if it's in a kid's room that doesn't have internet? Like, the 360 didn't even ship with yeah. Wi-Fi built in. Whereas I think now those it's companies like, are just deciding Right, more right, but I mean, that means that, 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 means yeah. that yeah. we're in the space that I think PCs were assumed to be a decade or so ago, where it's like, these guys just are always plugged straight into their cable modem. Right. So you can log in and out of WoW whenever the fuck you want. And that's, mm-hmm. I think... Is that I mean, Nick? Is that what you what you where you yeah, think the yeah. winds are blowing as far as why we're starting to see that stuff coming mm-hmm. up? Yeah, Weird. I think it's just I think it's the, that time for consoles. I think get ready for know. that Halo MMO. Yeah, no Maybe. TV series. Yeah, <laughs> transmedia. Tra- yeah, interactive television. Man, there's a lot of people actually trying transmedia. Stuff. I know it's a real yeah. bummer. It's weird. Yeah. It's super weird. It's the future. Yeah. It's kind of fundamentally unexciting, right? Like nobody, no creative person said, I mean, I'm sure people would disagree with this, but like the fundamental notion of a transmedia venture is like that just by definition is basically some executive deciding these, this is what we need to achieve. It's just such a, it seems like such a top down way of making something to me. I'm not going to agree with you on that because I think that you and I think about that stuff differently. But sure, I always see anything like that as an opportunity for someone to do something good in it, even if it's created out of. I'm not evil. saying there isn't an opportunity, but I, I, the motivation just always seems really unexciting to me. But yeah, people could always do good things. I mean, have they? Has that been a thing that's worked out well? I don't know. There was that one short in the Animatrix that was good about the detective. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's true. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Games are yeah, cool. Games. I've been very slowly playing through um, the Swapper. 
still. Oh man, Mike's. I, I just started it. Oh yeah, what do yeah. you think? It's sweet. Yeah, it's really good. Stocking swapper. I I kept thinking I was near the end, and then I, I guess I wasn't. I'm not really sure. It's I feel, it feel the stuff I'm doing in the game right now feels like I'm yeah like you know coming towards a a, a big climax. But like the way I've, <laughs> the way I've been playing it has I've just I've just been it actually feels like doing a really hard crossword puzzle. It's not as hard as like a Saturday New York Times crossword puzzle, but like my pattern of play is similar to that. Like on the hardest crossword puzzle days, I'll play it until I get, until I hit something really tough. Like Saturday in particular, Saturday is the hardest day of the New York Times crossword. And that's the day that often it actually takes me more than a day, mm-hmm. not like more than 24 hours, but like more than an amount of time I'm willing to sit and right. do that the one thing for that you do single. crossword's for spread out. Yeah, and like day. Sunday's a lot easier, so like Saturday will often bleed over into that and like right. and occasionally even Monday. And so and the way I kind of it just ends up that I do it is like I'll 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 fill in, you know, answers until I just I am just completely stuck on something right. and I'll set it aside. And when I come back like 8 hours later, 12 hours later, 24 hours later, I often find that my brain just like the has arranged the, the itself in such a way has yeah, that, to, that yeah. it's like suddenly I just have a huge other another burst. And I, the swabber has been the same. Um, it's never like extraordinarily diabolical, but there are moments where I will just – I'll hit my head against something for a while and I'll realize I'm not in a mode where I'm actually coming up with new – creative solutions to this problem yep. so i just kind of i'll just quit the gales all that for the game and i'll go do something else and then when i come back to it later the next day or, or whatever i'll almost always find that the place i stopped i just kind of breeze through and it's a really cool feeling it's a really interesting thing it is one of the better things about brains i mean it would be <laughs> it would be nice if your brain didn't get stuck on a thing but being able to sort yeah. of yeah that, when you're consciously aware of the sort of like foreground aggressive processing of something and then it's going, you know what? I know that I'm just going to keep thinking about this even if I don't think about it. And mm-hmm. then come back a day or two later and go, oh, obviously it's that. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Weird. I mean that happens at work all the time too. It's like yeah. it's funny when it, – it's kind of interesting when it happens in a thing that is ostensibly for entertainment uh, purposes. But it's it's a really good feeling in a game. It's a really nice contrast to games that like so desperately don't want you to ever stop or – get stuck or have any like meaningful resistance you know i mean it's nice to play a game that makes you feel that way because i i the other nice thing is that i feel like i'm playing through it a lot more slowly than i would if i was just really um intent on barreling through it which i I mean i'm sure i could but like this has been a really pleasurable way to play it and it also has sort of resonated to me with the way the story is told in that game there's something weird and like chronologically um fractured in the game Mm. narrative that i'm not entirely sure what it all means yet because I haven't finished the game, but it's you haven't completed the swap. I have not. I, have, I haven't beat the game yet. I haven't beat the boss. Oh, you beat a lot of levels though. Um, yeah, I beat some boards. Um, but it feels like there's something going on in the story that is like probably unintentionally resonant with the way I'm actually experiencing the game as a work, which I think is really mm-hmm. cool. That's cool. Also, I'm only ever playing it late at night because that's just when I have time. At the, just that's right when now. you can see space outside. <laughs> yeah. And it, and there's it's nice it's a good game to play in that atmosphere you know when it's not when it's not when everything is sort of muted and and uh, things are quiet and, and I don't know it's I'm just really still really enjoying that game and I'm really glad that I I'm really glad that I haven't finished it yet because I'm really enjoying this sort of slow wade through it it's been it's been super fun I was gonna say that background to sort of walk away from it and come back thing is a thing that the swapper has in com in uh, in 
what is my I need to think about what my sentence. I'll come back in two days. In, <laughs> in common with nice one, Jake. is well get it is adventure games, but I think that that's not actually true across all adventure games. I think it's only true yeah. of adventure games that are sort of mechanically consistent in and of themselves. Right. Yeah. Mm. And it's a weird example, but the games the adventure games I mean I played them as a kid the most, but Monkey Island one and two, the games that I always fucking bring yeah. up about everything those games have a really strong internal vocabulary. Like they're really RPG informed and uh, for adventure games. But those are games where I sort of, they have enough of a common language that I walked away from them for two or three days at a time and then would sit down and know the solution to the puzzle. And that was the first time that ever that experience happened to me in a game. And the swapper obviously is very regimented in how its systems work. But I think that sort of combination of, context and sense of space plus the problem that you have to solve your mm-hmm. brain can sort of map it to the way that it maps real problems but yeah. it has enough rules well, that you can, the swapper, re- you can yeah. sort of infer a reality from because the swapper is rigidly logical in the yeah. application in the sort of execution of its systems yeah yeah it's cool it's pretty good i like it did you talk about metro last week i didn't listen to last week's episode oh yeah yeah, yeah it was it. you should listen to it it's a really it, it or maybe you shouldn't. Why? What do you mean? <laughs> I have no memory of that discussion. So really, yeah, it was really good. That was you remember when we were talking about consoles? I remember drinking ago? like this much whiskey. And, God, that's and... the only reason you were happy about something. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> Nick was really pleased about this one part in Metro, and yeah. maybe it's just because he was impaired. Mm, it's possible. I have not gone back to Metro for two weeks. Oh, you son me. of a bitch! I know. I suck. There's so many mails to you. There's so many what? Uh, Ma- mails. Oh, oh, emails written to yes. him. about Metro. Yes, yes. You sure they weren't about opera? Most of them were. <laughs> I played some State of Decay. Oh yeah, you just started it though, right? I played about an hour. Okay, yeah. I I don't. You watched you seem you indicated that yeah you indicated that you weren't like extraordinarily over the moon about it, but I did walk in to the living room as you were yes. playing as a thing happened that was like the most it was pretty excellent good. moment yeah. uh, that I could have imagined happening in a game like that. Here's the thing: I I need to play more of it. I know that there are cool elements to this game that I haven't experienced yet. Mm-hmm. Um, give the give the yeah, basic it's, rundown so it's, on it. Yeah, um, this is a game made by Undead Labs, which yeah, those guys. Uh, I believe somebody told me it was founded by maybe it was you, Chris. Said it was founded by the lead programmer of World of Warcraft. Steve mentioned that. Ah, Steve mentioned that. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I, and I think this game, um, you know, feels. So it's it's an it's an open world game, um, and what's great about it is that the first thing that I liked about it was that it it began and was immediately you know uh, player controlled, and I didn't have to sit through a cutscene or anything. You're just dropped it's on a, a beach. Such a nice rarity. These oh days. my god, was it, really it nice? I I thought for sure because it, it's just sort of it loaded in, and there was a, a a line of dialogue, and I thought, oh god, here we go. And then it was just my controls, and I, you were immediately killing a zombie, which fine, like as long as I can control my dude, perfect, good. So we're in this like open world. And it's a really janky game. Like, I'm just going to say that, like, right off the bat. It's really janky. And it's it feels kind of incomplete in some ways. And it's really buggy. But that's kind of what's cool about it, I guess, is it feels like this very rough around the edges world. And um, it has a lot of interesting uh, twists on just a single-player open world uh, game. For instance, um, you can find people throughout the world other survivors and bring them back to uh colonies that you sort of found and i guess you can do this this is one of the things i just haven't experienced yet but i I guess you can just go into any building in the game and say this is my like survivor camp and you can like plant your flag and say this is my camp and you can also then at that point 
like say this room this this house over here is my like uh whatever like so supply can, room and this crazy. is where the garden's gonna be and yeah. you can actually like found these little you know colonies and then find people throughout the world and bring them back how do you bring them back uh, you just you just find them. I mean, I mean, so, are they like they're another third person NPC in the game who follows yeah, you? Like, right? They, like escorty style. It's like Counter Strike. You just find them, go hello, and then they go, oh, thank you. And oh, so just, they like diplomat walk their way back to you, right. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, and, and, it, and it, you know, a lot of the game is is very GTA in that you know you can get in a car, drive your car, your your NPC guys will just jump in the side. Do the cars have gas? Uh, I don't. Maybe they do. That I would be really weird so. if there was infinite gas in, in a zombie. Po- whatever. Who cares? They, it, they, it's probably fun. This game, it probably they probably don't. I didn't notice whether or not they do. But um, other than that, though, I mean, it's 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 pretty severe in its in its mechanics. That base like, setup you, idea actually sounds really cool. No, it's really cool. Um, I mean, on top of that, too, when you die, this is another surprising thing that you was really cool. You you <laughs> die you die for real, and then you Steve Gainer is dead. Yeah, but then you load in. As one of the other survivors, and it goes, oh man, we really like. Oh, Molly. so there's actual narrative permanence of mm-hmm. the characters the, in the world. You you immediately load in to to an, like an NPC, and then everyone's just like, oh god, we really like Frank. Oh, too bad. I about love that. that. That sounds like that's the, really yeah, good. That sounds like it's the really That's like Karatika, yeah. Uh, yeah. Structure, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So there are cool oh, things cool. like that. There's a there's a day night <laughs> oh, cycle cool game. It's it's a really severe like you're finding supplies and. You constantly like. So does it have like the day night cycle of Minecraft, basically? Where I, I think it's like an hour. On, I mean, and when it's oh, night, oh, you're sorry. fucked. Right? Yeah. I, I I assume I never so, actually got to to nighttime yet. But uh, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But but just the thought of it being night because it was already really difficult by the you know I played like an hour and by the end of that hour I was just getting torn in half like left and right. So I think it, you know you're you're finding it's it's just a really like. Um, drastic survival horror game, but with all of these interesting overworld elements. Hopefully, there's a Driver San Francisco DLC element that you can add, where it turns out that you have the consciousness <laughs> of the same guy who can just leap right in and out of bodies with bad narration. Yeah, That's, if they added that, I think this would be my goatee, just from your description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I need to play more of it, but um, it's definitely worth checking out. I think. Uh, and you can download the trial on XBLA. Hey, so. Did you talk about that moment that happened? Oh no, I didn't. It was I was yeah. I walked in. There are these I, zombie hordes. They just show up on the map. Horde. Oh, sorry. But there were there were multiple hordes. Sorry, I didn't instance. hear. I didn't hear the horde. D. What? I just heard there are these oh. zombie hordes. Oh well, there are also those probably at some point in the game. I don't know. But like there are zombie hordes. Yes. Okay. I, yeah, so as I as so I, I was doing the thing that you do, of course. Oh wait, was Nick about to tell a story about what happened in a game and we interrupted him five times? Of course you did. God damn it! Welcome to Idle Thumbs, episode one hundred and ten. Go ahead, Nick. So anyway, I just drove around and killed some zombies. No, I like I I found a car. It was I think it was the first car I found, and I noticed that there were these you know massive collections of zombies on the map and i thought oh i'll just go run them over and i'll do the funny thing where you run them over and as i was running them over i realized that you know the game is modeling damage on the car and i'm this is not going to work for very long like i'm just basically this car is going to be fucked in like 10 seconds so then i just started you know doing like at that point i was like ah, well we'll just see how far i can push this and i just started doing 180s and just going down this one specific street just destroying this car with just oh, this isn't even what I was everywhere. thinking of. So the thing. Oh no, it is though. It is though. Well, no. What are you thinking of though? Well, I'll finish your story this? first. Well, no. And then I, I was thinking before you even in a car, you started on your on foot. The thing that I the thing that I witnessed. And oh no 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 no. This was after that. This was after that. So then I got out of the car because I was like, oh, this car is going to explode. 
And then a bunch of zombies just started running at me. And I was like, oh, shit, I got to get back in this car. And then I jumped in the car. And as I was jumping in the car, another zombie leapt at the car from the other side and latched onto the passenger like yeah, door. Yeah, on the passenger door. And then and I was, was just driving that, around with well, the no, zombie so, in no, tow. So, so, no, oh, so it's man. like as soon as you – I like that you're like, I'll tell your story better than you. I, I will. Okay, I mean, that's I, fine. Confirm. I don't know if I'll tell it better, but I'll remember a thing that was funny to me. Like the <laughs> – the, as you got into the car, like the guy jumped on your thing. Oh, you died. And it's no, you didn't. And you did. <laughs> you just you did the thing that you always see in disaster movies or movies where someone's being pursued, where as soon as you got in the car, like as soon as you had like accelerator control, you just immediately slammed it because that's what happens in you know in a game when you're just like frantic and you're going forward. And immediately as you got in, the zombies latched on and you just slammed right forward into a wall that was like three feet yeah. in front of you. And it's, there. Well, you said you started driving around and he was hanging on. Yeah. This was like immediately. This was right as you got in the car. You slammed right into a wall and like the whole front of your car just immediately turned into a garbage pile. And then you backed up and the zombie – like the force of that – caused the door to open and so the zombie was holding onto this open door and then as you were doing the thing where you do the like reverse 180 the door rips off and the zombie flies off and then you speed away down the bridge it was the best it was super good it was like very uh accurate to what someone would have scripted in the actual zombie movie where the guy you know jacks a car and drives away which doesn't ever actually happen no one in movies ever jacks cars as easily as they do in video games but it was still pretty good i enjoyed it <laughs> so in conclusion you died yeah eventually but not when i was watching oh did you die yeah oh yeah oh yeah what were you guys talking about about walking around is it were you gonna i was all my interest was peaked well when i came in you you were not in a car when i when i came in you you were just walking around for a while oh that no. sounds really exciting yeah <laughs> i got ripped in half zombies found me do you actually just, get ripped in half yeah you actually get ripped in half. like it's, limbs it's pop pretty, off and stuff gruesome, yeah cool yeah so you would say this game's rated M? Uh, for for men. <laughs> <laughs> ESRB fragrances? Yeah. yeah. M for men? M for men. <laughs> that's only a thing that someone would try and market horribly. E for everybody. <laughs> AO for adults only. Is like, yeah. These are yeah. all this gross... Anyway, the Idle Thumb store is coming soon. <laughs> so get the fuck ready for our ESRB cross licenses. Yeah. It is actually coming soon. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Cool. We have reader mail? Um, M for men. <laughs> I'm just thinking of, you know, the emails that we received this week. Anyway. Oh, yeah. All right. Johnny Driggs. This is the guy who does our YouTube uh, videos. He writes, why don't you promote my YouTube channel more often? <laughs> if you go to the Idle Thumbs YouTube channel, which is uh, Idle Videos, that's the name of our, our YouTube yeah. channel, um, the entire Idle Thumbs archive, thanks to the ridiculously uh, um, impressive work of Johnny Driggs, has been uploaded with actual clickable timestamps. It's uploaded and annotated. So Yeah, it's totally bonkers. Yeah, if there's the thing where you remember, oh, I bet we talked about that. You know, if you want to jump to a specific game discussion from an episode, or link you remember, someone, to, or link or someone yeah. to jump in an episode, you can. Um, and he's up to the week now, so like a day or two after this episode goes up on the site, it'll be up on the YouTube channel with annotations, and it's bonkers. Apparently, our web player also supports jumping to time, but we just don't. This is ever not link to it anywhere, but <laughs> yeah. it works. Yeah. Mm. 
All right. Um, so anyway, he does not write about that. He writes, uh, hi, guys. Oh, oh, hey. oh, hi, Jake. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Did it say hi, Jake in the email? Yes. Good. It said, hi, guys, in parentheses. Oh, hi, Jake. Hi, Johnny. He knows He knows you. Um, he says, Chris's discussion about the whitewash setting of Ace Patrol and Brad Muir's dis- decision to implement same-sex marriage and massive chalice inspired by fan feedback made me wonder about presenting progressive attitudes in historic and fantasy settings. A lot of fantasy games attempt to create a setting with a more modern attitude about gender roles, race, etc., since they're not beholden to actual semblances of historical accuracy. But they have elves in them! That's what he's saying, since they're not beholden to any semblance of historical right. accuracy. Right, anyway, yeah. whatever. Others present a setting more in line with medieval attitudes, since that's the time period almost all fantasy is based on, but that might risk alienating potential players. Games set in the events of actual human history might have a greater burden to depict their errors faithfully, but games like Ace Patrol sidestep tackling those issues of inequality. Do you think it's a mistake for games to default to a more modern, inclusive, and diverse milieu when taking place in these kinds of settings? It's always good to make diverse characters and experiences, but is it disingenuous to ignore the realities of setting that take place in the past or are based on the past? Keep up the good work, Johnny. I think this is similar to some stuff that we've talked about in the past, but I feel like if your game is using that stuff for set dressing and is disregarding any other historical context or meaning, does it really matter? I don't know. But I think that if your game ends up actually trying to simulate some of the events that occur in that time, maybe it's worth being honest about those things and not whitewashing it or political correcting it and instead trying to make the like gender and ethnic numbers in your game kind of match what's in history and then yeah. maybe mm-hmm. you're I, going to end up getting passive like emergent situations that actually replicate reality more accurately because of that mm-hmm. i agree and i think it's actually extremely different between fantasy and history i i think it's yes. there's actually a huge difference and i even fantasy that is directly based on, for example, medieval or feudal society. Because here's the thing about fantasy. It's only based on the parts of history that you think are awesome. It's like, it's based on reality, except you think dragons are cool, so put them in the game. Right. So, like, if you're already when saying... When you get into everything is what I think is awesome, and then you also only have white dudes... Yeah. You are in a, you're in a zone that yeah, you're is saying a bad something zone. a little weird. Like, because if you actually think medieval society is super rad... But what if you, just, you only... Wait, what, what, seriously, that's what I was trying to say, is what if you only have white dudes and, like, hot elves... Ah, oh, God, that sounds pretty Who accurate. Maybe passively want to have sex with you or a potential mate. Ah, that's I like that. Mm-hmm. But is it like it's gritty though, so it's like real? Well, like you overcome great obstacles at great physical and emotional cost to you. Uh huh. But in the end, you're fucking cool. That's, that sounds <laughs> that sounds pretty. I like that a lot. I think we should make some games that are like that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just I feel we like collectively Idle Thumbs presents. Yeah. I feel like people can people can like talk about realistic fantasy or gritty fantasy or whatever, but or like fantasy inspired by history. But in, ultimately, the fact that it's called fantasy, like you are picking and choosing the things that you think are actually cool about whatever ostensible historical setting you're inspired by. Like you're 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 making conscious choices that some of these things are worth including and some of them aren't. And like that, you're that's there's going to be an implicit value judgment no matter what. Like I don't think it's. I absolutely don't think it's like overly politically correct if you're already in a setting that is called fantasy. Uh, I, I I don't think it is like an undue uh, nod to tolerance to to make that reality something that better reflects your actual set of beliefs because that's what you're doing anyway. Like it's it's what you're doing when you make a fantasy setting. I don't think that means every fantasy setting should just should should just be like by extension just our the best version of our world plus dragons and elves but i i think that these decisions 
are actually more um, elastic than a lot of people say or a lot of people seem to think when they get upset about political correctness in made-up settings. It's, yeah. If something other than what other than what I self-identify as is in a work, then the work is therefore about that is the attitude that is yeah, gross. exactly. And like, no, real life isn't about you. Also, most stories aren't. Like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. People yeah. are weird. Yep. Yeah. Oh, also, history is definitely very different. It's hard. That's History is a much harder yeah. harder one to tackle. For, actual real history is much harder to tackle. Because you, there is a certain responsibility you have to very specific things that aren't just made up. Like, you know, you, you you do have less license to just say, well, I think this is awesome, so I want a dragon in my in my thing. Like, you know, it's there's actual things that happen that you can cross-reference with. And that is a lot harder. But I think... I mean, representing things honestly, if it's actual honesty and it's not just like power fantasy, like honesty or power fantasy kind of coolness, uh, I think that is in itself like really powerful and laudable. Um, I, I don't know. I think I, I, I definitely see I definitely see the two areas as fundamentally different. Yes. I mean, and of course, obviously, every work is different, too. Like, I don't mean to imply that literally every single historical game and every single fantasy game needs to have the same intention behind it. That's obviously not the case. But I think as a general rule, um, your responsibilities in a historical setting are different than your responsibilities in a fantasy setting. Yeah, there's also such a thing as historical fiction, though, which does make your two fundamentally different things have a line that's crossed where you're saying, I'm oh, telling a story that is – Based in history, but I've changed these mm-hmm. two facts or whatever, you but, know. But I think Which a fact usually is means different. that there's a steam-powered robot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a fact is different than a rule of the of the world, a rule that governs the world, right? Like I don't think steampunk is historical fiction. I mean, to me it's not. No. To me, it's 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 just it's more it's another version of fantasy, basically. Sure, but like what if Einstein built a time machine and he killed Hitler? <laughs> what would happen then? Uh to, to, to global race dynamics. Well, that was explored. Oh, the Brotherhood of Nod would rise, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that was explored in the Electronic Arts uh, 1996 work, Red Alert 2, whenever the hell it came out. Red Alert 1. Like, oh, yeah, it was. You're right. Yeah. Einstein kills Hitler in Red Alert 1. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm terrible. Get your fucking lore locked in. I know. I'm in. the worst. Hellmarch. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. We've probably talked about this a million times, but Command and Conquer One and Red Alert One have two of the best full motion video opening cutscenes oh, yeah, in hilarious. the fucking world. <laughs> Rollerblader drinking motor oil, and then like the people slapping each other and making out or whatever it is that oh, happens man. in CNC One. It's bonkers. It's so good that a, the like just sci-fi real-time strategy game has like a weird, weirdly commercialized like '90s counterculture opening cutscene. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's so good. Yeah, that and then yeah. Einstein murdering Hitler with a yeah. time glove. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Jude Jackson says, Hey, oh hey, man, uh, I can't say it. <laughs> he writes, Dead Jake. I know. It's I really am. I saw this coming. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> Dead Jake. What are your favorite video game visual effects? It can be general, UV scrolling, god rays, or specific, the cube mapped fake interiors in Assassin's Creed 3 or Batman's when cape. You, when you actually you, die, by the way, I'm going, to send, I'm going to send an email. Jake is doing the closest thing to physically exploding yeah, doing without what actually exploding. What are your favorite video game visual effects? No, I know, that's what's amazing about it. That's this. why I read it. It might have an interesting answer. Is that everything? 
Let's see, you know, <laughs> is yeah. there more? I don't know about cube mapped rooms in Assassin's Creed. That's beyond my mm. reference. So he means like, have you ever played Assassin's Creed? Mm-mm. You can imagine what I mean, it is. A little it's bit, like, but like, I, okay. I mean, it's. I, I assume what he's talking about is the um, uh, like when you're in the uh, animus and you're in sort of sci-fi land and you get put oh. into. Um, do they do that by way of like weird texture projection that turns into the game or something? Like what? Well, they're over. They overlay to like they they kind of blend from one yeah, blend from reality one into another. Okay. Which yeah. I mean, is, you're I all, guess you're, is a yeah, cube you're map. A, yeah, I'm looking at a Assassin's Creed cube map. Um, because the 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 thing you fade into, I think they create the illusion that it goes on forever. Like I think mm-hmm. they create the illusion, that, you know, that it's like an endless virtual room that you're in. So that's probably what's going on. My favorite video game effects are actually, I don't have a specific favorite video game effect, but my favorite video game effects in execution are ones which take place sort of what I think of as it's not actually, it's like when effects are done in film in camera, when an effect is taking place and is shot by, you know, it's taking place in camera. It's actually happening along with the Mm, actors. mm Mm-hmm. In my, I think the the equivalent of that in video games is when really, really, really amazing effects work happens when the player has control of their avatar, when the player yeah, has I control totally of their agree. camera. Like fixed camera effects, effects where you know you're in a game you're and you're like your character looks to the left and then the camera whips to the left, but in in whipping to the left, secretly turns into a cutscene camera, yeah. and then all of the effects are just rendered the same way that they're rendered in. A, uh, in an engine cutscene, in an in engine cutscene, or like they could just be a uh, a video game element, um, or they could be a video element, like right. it could just be yeah, a big yeah. video. Those mm-hmm. are not nearly as impressive to me as when you're existing in space with an amazing piece of effects work. Yeah. And like the one I that totally I, agree. the one that I always bring up because it was like I was just super struck by it was in Bioshock Two when the big sister first shows up and she slashes open mm. all of the um, metal framework that's holding this huge glass window. Uh, and then the, all of the water splashes in. And that effect can take place, I believe, no matter where you're standing when the big sister shows up. And it's this really amazing combination of uh, sort of solid scrolling surfaces to simulate flowing water, plus a bunch of sprite work, plus all of the dust and debris. And then when the water hits the view screen, it overlays a transparent bank video, but you can see the world through it on the inside. And then there's this real-time 3D huge water has taken over the room and you see all the furniture has sort of leapt up off the ground because it's physics objects and then they, I guess, turn into hand animated or like water physics objects. And then inside of that space, you can then walk out of that room inside of the water into the water environment. And all of that happens from wherever you happen to be standing, unless I'm mistaken, and just the entire scene state changes inside of a first person camera using just every effect basically that you can do in the Unreal Engine in tandem. It was fucking impressive. Uh, I like stuff like that a lot. And it's harder to do in the games that I work on because most of our stuff is from a very heavily directed camera because it's, you know, Mm -hmm. a weird like cinematic experience. But I love it in Telltale games, especially because it's so weird to do when people end up pulling off crazy impressive visuals and there's a guy walking around. It's it's the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what. Also, UV scrolling is pretty sweet. I don't know. But UV scrolling does he just mean like the texture mapping, (laughs) like moving in real time? Like what? Is that cool? No. <laughs> what you don't like a sweet like like a ticker tape like like a yeah like, yeah or like when 
they're in, you're in Quake Three and you see like a crazy like the wall overwrought grate, and then there's like some guts scrolling by yeah, underneath yeah. it. Oh, well, isn't, it's cool. isn't doesn't that exist in like one of the every game? No, but like in an early Doom game, like there's like I uh, I imagine that's how like con- I don't know if Doom JP would know better, but like if yeah. there's like little conduits and electricity stuff in Doom. But is that done through palette swaps or sprites more than it's done through texture? Right. Scrolls? Yeah, that's a, that's a good that's a good point. Actually, actually, in know, Doom, it's almost certainly. I think Quake sprite. One, or has, it's almost certainly yeah. Quake One has texture scrolls. Yeah, up yeah, yeah. Wazoo, but yeah. um, let's talk about UV scrolling some more. Yeah, anyway, um, it's weird that people write me about my favorite gaming effects when I work <laughs> in a studio who has a very, very, very slim effects pipeline. Mm. Like Telltale, the effects that are done at Telltale are very, very handmade. I'll say that. Sure. Yeah. You don't have a god ray button like you do in Unreal. God, that fucking god ray button. This what this didn't. The only reason this occurred to me is because you said you referenced the place you work, so it made me think about the place I work. I I wasn't planning on bringing up a double fine thing, but the Brutal Legend engine has a fucking sweet set of nice. Yeah, we have amazing effects. effects. We have amazing effects artists at our company, but like, um, uh, in Autonomous, the uh, that game is all effects. I know it's all effects. That's why I bring it up. Like it's it was one of the Amnesia Fortnite prototypes last year. And it's just it's a first person thing where you go around and program robots in real time in the real world and like the effects are like but overbearing to some degree. You're living inside a VCR that's been plugged into the wrong outlet, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, where just all of the all the color separation is just like all going crazy and like everything is I don't know what the actual term for that is. Um and it's it just really tangibly evokes that very specific feeling of just um a particular era of like video based technology going totally haywire all the time. Yeah. Um, cause it responds like to your proximity like projection to TV things and like, off. yeah, it's just, it's very, it feels very alive and, and living in a way that I thought was really cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's done to the point that it actually like interferes with you reading the UI and stuff. Cause it's so, you know, it's so overbearing, but that's, it was a prototype. So whatever. Um, yeah, I couldn't play that game. Even yeah. though I loved looking at it. I couldn't yeah, actually yeah. get a but, robot to but do I, anything. I just loved how, I just loved how that stuff yeah, works. Yeah. My favorite effects are cool ones. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like your I like the point you make about the, that stuff always being inherently more impressive when it's yeah. when it happens. When you can just when like you have full control just, over you're something. witnessing this crazy fucking thing happening and you can yeah. just stand up closer just even just I mean I think that came up when we were talking about um Bioshock Infinite and you were talking about like dis- the thing for you the distinguished moments in that game from like the equivalent uh uh, kind of huge budget movie mm-hmm. thing. Just the fact that you have control over the camera at will when certain crazy things are going on is yeah. was just like a shocking, yeah, you know, surprise. Not shocking necessarily, but like a particularly just, impressive. It's guaranteed to cost more. I mean, even if you the the range of vision that you have is fixed in like in a Bioshock game because you only have the size of that room, and if you turn around, you don't see the effect. But um, it's still. Way more difficult for people to execute that stuff in a game if they know that the player can fill with stuff. Yeah, it's cool. It's sweet games. I feel like this has been a full length podcast. Yeah, it's weird. Am I wrong about that? No, it has. You should do another reader mail though. Okay, because we love reader mails. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. You know what, Chris? I'm waiting. If you have a reader mail, you should write it to questions at idlethumbs.net. If I do? Yes. What about if our readers do? Oh, they should write them to questions at idlethumbs.net. Oh. oh, you know what? If they want to call you, they should call 55wizard on and leave a voicemail message. Nope. We haven't checked that in years, so don't actually call that number because no. we'll never see it. If you guys back our second Kickstarter for $200,000, <laughs> we'll do a 55wizard on episode. Kevin Mayo writes, missed online and ambience. 
Dear Thumbs, your discussion on ambience reminded me of one of the most effective uses of changing ambient noise I've heard in a game. In the single-player version of the ill-fated Uru Ages Beyond Mist, you travel to isolated uh, offices and balconies in the underground Denise City. And in the background, you hear the occasional banging of a hammer and other construction noises. Once you join the online mode, the city's opened up and becomes the main social hub. The construction sounds are now accompanied by murmuring crowds in the distance. Finally, after the servers were closed down and the unreleased content was made into a couple of expansion packs, you return to the city to find the construction has stopped and the crowds have disappeared, leaving only the lonely echoes of the abandoned cavern. Thanks, Kevin. It's not a question, but that was interesting. That's really cool. That yeah. Missed Online seems like it came out a little later than it probably should have, and mm-hmm. I think that game basically bankrupted Cyan, but I really liked that they were they were trying really hard to be true to the fiction of the game inside of the MMO as well. And the idea mm. was you were playing as a person who was exploring the world of Mist as discovered by normal people. So as new realms and like new mm. new chunks were being opened, the idea was that there was actually a construction crew that was excavating out to find this stuff to sort of uncover new bits. And that's where like You'd, you'd be hearing Crazy. somewhere off in the world outside of the hub, there's actually people working to create the world it was represented inside of the world by, by like you would be inside this weird fantastical mist world. And then I think there were just like orange construction cones and tape and like a blinking <laughs> don't park your car here light. And we're like, I might be completely misremembering that because I only played the game a little bit, but that was how Cyan was presenting that. And I thought that was actually really cool. That's pretty cool. Just hmm. I imagine mist players were probably not as enamored with that say, because the whole idea of mist is literally <laughs> right, yeah. representing yeah. tumbling into a piece of fiction as escapism where like your guy actually falls into a book and is in a fantastical world where you solve mm-hmm. everything. So maybe in mist online, the you're just a random dude who found this place, but also everyone else did. So hang out with them is less, yeah. is less what mist is about. That's kind of the funny thing about MMOs in general, right? Is that every, like, I don't know. The MMOs are, set in an environment and the carrot is populated with characters that in, <laughs> in general in fiction are only ever represented in extreme like power fantasies where right. they are like the most powerful thing around Ugh. and they still try to make you feel like that except that in the mmo version there's always just right. like eight thousand of them everywhere it's that's super I, weird that's what i thought was cool about uru yeah like, everyone totally. in it just dresses like a regular guy and yeah. you're all just supposed to be people who are like oh hey we found mist weird yeah. check, come <laughs> check it out like let's all yeah poke around in this and i think the idea was that people would collectively work to solve puzzles and stuff which would then eventually enable like that sort of playing through mist as a huge group was the grinding thing that would unlock new pieces of it but it doesn't they accidentally invalidated i think the reason that people thought mist was cool from an emotional standpoint Mm -hmm. but it was intellectually really interesting yeah that is cool i never played it building that 3d engine and making mist level and riven level assets in real-time 3d when they were way too many years ahead of what people were actually able to play on their computers i think made them burn through their amazing amount of money like have you guys seen like photos of cyan's office in the northwest like after like around mist and riven era it is just like it looks like a mist environment where it's just (laughs) meanwhile in the secluded woods is this crazy like huge like giant like very squared off pieces of wood and glass and metal architecture just beautiful crazy building nestled in amongst all these pine trees that you have to walk a stupid winding path to get to and stuff yeah that's crazy you know swivel weird spherical rocks around until animal sounds open up and then you get the receptionist were they washington (laughs) yeah yeah but then that stopped happening when they dumped all their money into an mmo that they didn't release for like a million years 
And then GameTap saved it. GameTap funded Uru for a while, and then GameTap funded nothing. <laughs> yep. Cool. Cool. Rate us on iTunes. <laughs> We've been getting up there in the in the iTunes list recently. It's been it's been it's been working. Not as not nearly as well as our competing podcast, Dota Today. <laughs> DotaToday.net. Mm. Dotatoday.net. <laughs> yeah. God, we gotta launch Dotato Day. Potato Day. Potato Day? Yeah. <laughs> Alright, bye. Bye. Idlethumbs.net. <laughs> Happy Dishonored Dotato Day. <laughs> First, we bought like, we bought all of this stuff. We bought some. We got the guy a great who sold deal. it to us oh was God, really nice. So perfect because they steal all our shit. <laughs> <laughs>